Welcome back to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, events, and issues surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Feinstone. We are contributors to the Fight Game Media Network, and we're here to talk all things New Japan today. And we have a special guest coming up a little bit later in the program to help us talk about Forbidden Door. It's going to be Kevin Eli from The Boom, a show that uh, covers AEW wrestling. So we'll have an AEW expert here on the show. I did the show last week. You did their show last night. Uh, I, I'm loving all this uh, cooperation. I can't not tell only you. the Not only the Fight Game Media Network, but all the wrestling promotions. It's a good time. I can't tell you how much fun I had doing that show, man. Uh, it's those two are a blast. And it, it's funny. They have their way of doing the show and we have ours. And it's like two completely different ways, but it totally works for them. And they have their groove. And it, man, it was just a blast. I don't know. Like we went long and it didn't feel like we like went long at all. It was great. And we want to say hello to everybody watching live, including Colin and Brad, as always, right here with us. Glad to see you guys here. And uh, so much to talk about. We're going to be going over the Road to Strong shows first. Kevin's going to join us to talk about Forbidden Door. And then we will discuss, is New Japan Pro Wrestling losing its English voice coming up soon? So we've got a lot of things we need to discuss. I know, painful to think about, but uh, yeah. So if you are listening on a podcast, we do go live on YouTube at 5.15 Eastern Time in the United States. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe FGM uh, Fight Game Media on the podcast and the YouTube feeds and uh, make sure to check out all the great uh, shows there. And of course, if you are listening on a podcast, uh, please give us a rating, five star review uh, and a little uh, feedback out there. We like it. It helps people find the shows and it is greatly appreciated. But again, live on YouTube, 515 Eastern Time, United States. So. Let's look at these road shows, and we'll get into Forbidden Door. There has been uh, a, an interesting run of house shows, basically. Only two of them were broadcast on NJPW World. There was one in Hachioji and one in Chiba. And I did practice saying the word Hachioji before coming on the air. And well we are... <laughs> Not bad, huh? So uh, Road to Strong, but there were others that weren't on. They follow the very same formula, though. So if you did see the weekend shows on NPJPW World, you got the idea. Uh, starting with the Young Lions, Jeremy, most of them open the show and have begun working 10-minute draws against one another, which is kind of another step in the progression, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, they, they keep them in these six-man tags and these tags. And uh, they learn doing little spots here and there. And then they start getting more and more of those matches. And now they're starting to do those 10-minute uh, uh, draws in the uh, openers, including one, Kosei Fujita, drawing with Ryusuke Taguchi, a main roster guy. It went to 10 minutes with him. But it's been various combinations of guys doing these 10-minute draws. So Fujita, who we mentioned last week, says he's no longer a young lion, is still being booked that way, though. He is coming out to the TMDK music instead of the young lion music. He's still in all black, and he's still working these early match, uh, early card matches. And he did take a loss uh, to Master Watto. But other than that, he has been doing mostly draws there. So a little gray area with Fujita at the moment, although talent-wise, this is a future star. I kind of look at it in the okay, this guy has told you he's no longer a young lion, but now he's got to prove it. It's not just to say right. that you're, you are, show that you are kind of thing. And so he's got to show a fighting spirit kind of thing. And I think that's the, the story that they're going is that he's got to fight for that, fight for that uh, delineation from what he, he says he's no longer. 
Uh, Bolton Oleg or Oleg Bolton. Again, it depends. He's kind of taken on the Japanese system of his name. His name is, his first name is Oleg. His family name is Bolton. But just like in Japan, you know, he's uh, Okada Kazuchika when introduced by the ring announcer. He's been going by Bolton Oleg. He also speaks Japanese fluently. So he's kind of going with that uh, as uh, as a name uh, system there. So, but his name is Oleg Bolton if you're in the West. So basically either way is correct. We'll just go either way. He has been showing a lot of improvement. He is starting to get a little bit of momentum right there. And uh, I, I, it's been fun to watch that. He's, again, greener than most young lions because he's fast-tracked. So most of the time when you start to see young lions on cards, they're a little more polished than Bolton Oleg is. But mm -hmm. uh, he's learning quickly. There's little doubt in my mind that if he sticks with pro wrestling, he'll be a star in it because, I mean, who, who looks like that? <laughs> and, and, just, and so it is going to be interesting to see how uh, he goes. The other thing uh, trend here, Jeremy, is uh, involves the new people in Bullet Club. Those guys are really getting a hard push, almost mm -hmm. a shove, in fact. Uh, Maloney and Connors, they're attacking Catch-2-2 two -two every night. They're mostly mm -hmm. doing six-man tags where they team with Ghetto. So they're losing the match because Ghetto takes the fall. But then afterwards, uh, it's usually to Okan or Hanare or something like that. Afterwards, there's an attack on Catch-2-2. Two -two. Now, on the New Japan World shows, they've done a little bit extra sometimes where Babyface team gets back at them and ends up winning the exchange just so they don't see him getting beaten down every single mm -hmm. night. But most of the time on these cards, it's Catch-2-2 two -two being left laying to get Maloney and Connors over as assholes, for one thing, mostly. And then uh, because they're taking a loss and then attacking, and also just uh, over in general because it's a new team, seeing something very similar with Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd in the heavyweight division. They've done this thing where Goto and Yoshihashi aren't wrestling together, but Goto... Yeah, they split them up between the two to keep them divided. So that the War Dogs can beat someone and not have yeah. them beat the champions. Uh, and then they attack Goto afterwards. Yoshihashi is often at the announcer's desk and has to rush in to try to help uh, Goto and either takes an ass whooping or ends up getting the comeback, that type of thing. Some sort of post-match clash again getting Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd uh, fired up and, and in the minds of fans as a dangerous team and a threat. The other thing they did was officially get on the microphone over the course of these shows and accept the challenge for two matches between Bishamon and War Dogs, Coughlin and Kidd. On the road or the uh, strong shows there, the Independence Day shows on July 4th and July 5th, the two titles, two sets of titles, the strong tag team titles, the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles, will each be on the line in separate matches. On July 4th, it'll be for the, the strong title. Those same two teams will meet the second night for the IWGP title. So that has uh, that's the one little angle that we were suspecting was coming and we saw officially. I have a question for you that I have come across in the corners of the internet. And I need I need a strong style judgment on Okay. Are you ready? Sure. The War Dogs. Are all of David Finley's recruits the War Dogs, or are the War Dogs just Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin? Because in the backstage comments, there is a lot of, that's my dog from, uh, from Clark Connors and Dan Maloney. They're all using the dog phrase about each other, but I've only specifically seen New Japan refer to Coughlin and kid as the war dogs so what do you think 
I think it could morph into that. Right now, the war dogs are Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd, and they were wearing T-shirts that said that right. on it. You know, And what we haven't seen is Maloney do. If Maloney and Connors come out in those same shirts, then we have our answer right there. But so far, they haven't. That could be a thing they do and yeah. just say, this is the new Bullet Club. These are the war dogs. This is my crew. Again, as yeah. Finlay consolidates power by bringing in his own guys, trying to protect against the overthrow. I'm kind of curious to see where Chase Owens ends up in this because with this current Brown Drew is about to get scuffed, buddy. <laughs> well, you wonder you wonder if he's going to go the way of ELP in this, you know, because I, I think the fans might be ready to at least treat him a bit like a baby. He's not going to be over like ELP is as a baby face because he just doesn't have that kind of uh, well, charisma. You think he'd be or... like ta tagging with Tamatonga in a couple of months. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Is there? Yeah. A I guess my question is: Is there a place for him in this? Because really, he was so. he was attached to the Gorillas of Destiny and bad luck folly and none of which are either in bullet club or a part of the roster right now is folly is mostly working on tamashi that uh, oceana project they have and his training school in new zealand i so. immediately said no but the more that i think about it the more i like the idea of a general bullet club and then finley having almost like an elite hit squad of mm. his like four guys that uh when he wants the job done he calls on these four rather than uh the rest of bullet club but he's not he's not against them if they're if they fall in line because it's just more people for more people for his columns kind of thing let's take a look at some comments here because we, we, again we have some pretty smart people watching this so war dogs i believe is just the tag team according to brad there is one theme for war dogs if maloney and connors don't use that theme they aren't war dogs i will go on that i will go on that with you and i just i needed to make sure that you know I was uh, I was seeing it from all perspectives in terms of where people were coming from. And Brad also mentions uh, if you haven't seen the shows, the one from Hachioji and the one from Chiba. Uh, Kevin Kelly said he was working on the seventeenth uh, uh, commentary yesterday and the eighteenth today. So Hachioji yesterday and uh, Chiba today. And surprisingly Kevin easy though to watch without the English commentary. I will say. Yeah. Doesn't really bother me. And uh, Brad mentions, I love when a wrestling company has a plan in place to split titles in a proper way. Amen. Yes, uh, I, I like this. It's it is a clever way of doing it, and I mean that's really where it's going, isn't it? They're going to split these titles up. It makes more sense for Coglin and Kid to have the strong titles, although it could go either way. Just because I think those guys working out of the LA dojo will be in the United States more, and most of these strong shows, with the exception of the fourth and fifth of July, are taped in the United States. Speaking of young talent, one of the other subplots of these uh, Road to Strong shows is uh, Hanma is insisting on trying to pin <laughs> Shota or Ren or anyone in the G1 so that he can uh, prove that he is worth being in the G1. And it is a noble, it is a noble subplot, but it's it is also well. tragic and unless real life consequences cause unfortunate things, I don't perhaps see that happening and that is tragedy this is one of those times when you use the term ill-fated attempts uh, yeah. i don't i don't think it's going to pan out for him although he does I like look that. better than he, he he's continually looking better in regards from the injury that he had years ago and i never thought he would look at this level when he came back in the first place so you know Homa 
it's tough because Great Bash Heel was a pretty good tag team. Home has never been a classic good worker, but there's just something about him. And he did a thing years and years ago in the G1 where he just couldn't win. He would come within a whisker of winning his matches, and then he would lose in the end. And it built up the entire G1. And by the end of it, the crowd was just dying for him to win one match, get two points. Come on, two points for Honda. And he has that about him. He can build that kind of momentum with the fans. And he's an oddly good worker considering how limited he is with his injury. You know, the man was damn near paralyzed, was paralyzed for a while. And uh, he it's does. It's amazing that he's come back to the level that he has. To me. He makes the best of what he's got, doesn't he? He's he's kind of an entertaining guy. And you even feel for him sometimes because he had mentioned he wanted to be the third guy with Okada and Ishii to go after the, the never open weight six-man titles. And when Ishii was angry that he, Okada, chose Tanahashi, Honma was in the aisle there hoping it was going to be him named and just the look of dejection <laughs> when he wasn't. We all knew he wasn't. But, you, you know, you were like, oh, like, so did sorry, I win buddy. the Oscar kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, things are good for Hanma. He ended up marrying his nurse when he got paralyzed right there, and they've been together ever since. So things are – so he, he not only recovered from being paralyzed, he's got a new wife out of the deal. He got his career back. Things ain't so bad for Hanma. So the um, the Hanma subplot and the Bullet Club were the two driving subplots of this show. Let's be clear, everybody. There was next to no forbidden door previews, no. talk, chat, chatter, hinting, anything, unless you were in the backstage comments at the end of the 18th of the Blue Justice show. It was, we are done with this. We're going to go do our super show in which we are, we are agreeing to show up for, and uh, they'll tell us what we're doing, and then we're going to go off to CMLL and G1. <laughs> yeah, we were looking at this. Uh, we also lost Doki for a couple of nights of the tour. He got sick. And out of an abundance of caution, as they say, he was pulled off a couple of cards. Uh, nothing serious, apparently. Everything I'm hearing is that he'll be back and fine. It was just that he was By running a fever door, and they didn't perhaps? want him. In... What's that? <laughs> By Forbidden Door, cornering Sonata against or the fan... wild of Hook. <laughs> or I think there's, well, there. I know there's going to be a Los Ingobernables presence in fantastica mania yes. so there's another thing after forbidden door there is a fantastica mania run in mexico of course fantastica mania is a tour where the cmll wrestlers come over to japan and work with some of the new japan guys and that for the first time i can remember is going to be reciprocated and some of the guys are going to be going over to mexico and work a few shows culminating with Arena Mexico on June 30th. I know Naito is going to be there. It would make a lot of sense if Doki were there too, given his history in Mexican wrestling. And finally, Doki would make it to a CMLL show. So I'm really hoping that hasn't been announced. Now, very little has been other than that Naito is definitely going. But man, I would love to see after all those years on the independent circuit, Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin Doki and uh, see him uh, walk down that aisle at CMLL in Arena Mexico, finally, uh, after all that, next to Naito as part of Los Ingobernables. That would really make me happy, uh, not as part of Los Ingobernables or either against him. I'm hoping that Doki makes the damn tour. I want him to work CMLL once before the guy dies. Um, real quick, we, we have our guest a second, but I want to ask you one more question. Is there a way to watch the Fantastica Mania show through CMLL YouTube? Is that the three-week delay? Is that AAA? I don't remember what that is. 
it is a delayed uh, thing on the uh, CMLL YouTube page. So usually their Tuesday night shows at Arena Mexico go up, and then the Friday shows at Arena Mexico go up later. The Friday shows are the big ones. And uh, there is a delay. I'm not aware of any other way to see the other shows uh, on, uh, on CMLL. So go to the CMLL YouTube page, and over the next couple of weeks uh, after the shows actually happen, should be able to see some of that. So some of those guys are going to be out. Uh, coming up at the end of the month, I believe the Arena Mexico is the culmination of it, and that's on June 30th. So whatever they do at Forbidden Door, they can just catch a plane south after that from uh, Toronto. So they can cover the entire North American continent. Go all three countries. Let's do it. So we're going to pause real quick on our coverage on the road tours and welcome our guest, Kevin Ely. Kevin Ely is from The Boom. He is stopping in tonight to preview the Forbidden Door and the road to Forbidden Door on AEW Dynamite. So we are going to welcome him on now. Kevin, how are you? I've killed a long time no see, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Feel, feels like it was just yesterday that we... Uh, just feels like it was just ready. yesterday we were talking, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, we are covering the New Japan uh, Strong Shows, which is essentially just the road to uh, the Independence Day shows in, on July 4th in Japan. Surprisingly, none of these shows really covered the Forbidden Door. We're just wrapping it up before we uh, moved on to the Forbidden Door. Uh, anything that with your... Okay, we'll pivot to this. Kevin, what New Japan have you been able to catch up on on the road to Forbidden Door as an AEW watcher? Did you start with Dominion or any other shows before then to kind of get into high gear? And how has it been for you to just ease into so I um, mainly I'm watching the big shows, the big tentpole shows, and you and I've been pretty okay keeping up on the on the major U.S. shows. Uh, but other than that, I've not. So it, this has been a process of almost reeducating myself because so much has changed in the landscape in like the last six months um, that there is a lot I feel like I'm catching up on. Um, so it's been interesting to come up with that because I, I, I mean, New Japan is still, if I, you know, when I, when I talk to people and tell them I'm a wrestling fan for the first time, I, I, I say I'm, a, I'm a, I love Japanese professional wrestling because it makes it sound much cooler and more refined. Uh, and, 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 and New Japan is probably my favorite style and presentation of pro wrestling, but AEW is just what I've chosen to follow. Um, and, uh. Um, sorry, I was just trying to adjust my volume. I'll speak a little softer. Um, uh, so AEW is like what I choose to follow that. And so I've been keeping up with New Japan because it's still my favorite, but I'm really only keep up with the major shows. So as far as the details of like the programs and things, I'm really here to learn. <laughs> well, that's the kind of show we have. So you come from one angle and we come from the other. And then we meet in the middle. We have the perfect forbidden door preview when uh when we do that when we do it this way so i'm glad you're here because i I'm want perspective of the the aew guy and and how we all come together on this because frankly speaking it was a better build than it was last year but there are oh, still absolutely. things that we look at here and they're like what are they gonna do here what's going on there and uh Steven, should we move on to the dynamite talk and kind of the build, or should we do anything that you want to finish up here on the, the strong stuff? 
Now we can go into the only other thing really mentioned for strong is uh, Yoda Suji continuing to get this big push. And I wanted to get into that because I would like to see Yoda Suji on Forbidden Door somewhere. But right now, most of the members I'm trying to see here, there have only been four matches officially announced anyway, right? And mm-hmm. none of them involve uh, Los and Gobernables. Uh, so I, I, we're hoping that there's some sort of LIJ presence on here. And last night on the boom, you guys were talking about faction versus faction type of matches. And I wanted to talk to Kevin and Jeremy, who both had some terrific ideas. If you haven't listened to the boom, it's available on the fight game media uh, uh, feeds, uh, the podcast mm-hmm. feed and all that. Uh, I encourage you to do so because there were some really interesting thoughts over there. Uh, what your ideas were to get some of these new stars like Yoda Suji and, and big name guys like Tetsuya Naito uh, onto this show, Hiromu Takahashi, for some, it really feels like he should be part of this. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on how to get some of these guys in there and who would be some good opponents for them on the AEW side of the equation? When I think of Yoda Suji, there was a guy that came to mind, and I'd like to see him with one of the big guys in AEW. You could go Big Bill, you could go Wardlow, you could go Keith Lee. I kind of just want to see him as a big guy go toe-to-toe with the other big guys. But I don't know if it's a better idea to just put him in a position to see how maximized his cheers would be in the States. Because we know how popular he is in Japan, but this is a perfect opportunity to really gauge how how much that penetration has reached stateside. Because it was really just a month ago that this guy jumped on all of our radars and said, hey, here I am, pay attention to me. So I don't know what it should be with him, but I just want a big guy match. I want him in a scenario with another big guy looking dominant. Jake Hager, something like that. Yeah, it would be need, need to be somebody he could beat because obviously you wouldn't want him to lose on Forbidden Door right there. So that is a little politics there. But he could be part of a six-man or something with uh, the LIJ group too, right? That's a possibility, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, think, I definitely yeah. think so. Yeah, Kevin, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts on this one? I agree. I, I, one of the things we said last night was, you know, is what they have what they have already with just these four matches – and and the and the fifth expected match of um, Zack Sabre Jr. and Orange Cassidy that seems to be coming um, like yes, that crosses the threshold, <laughs> right? So they have cleared the bar on should I buy this show or not already? <laughs> yes, yeah, right. So yeah. The, everything else to me is gravy, and I know that. Um, there's rumblings or people have been saying that, you know, Tony Khan really wants like these supercars this year. He wants to blow them out. But I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm fine with a little bit of restraint here and saying, I don't need to have every possible dream match I can possibly get on this show. I would be happy with, you know, filling out the rest of the card with multi-man matches and getting, uh, getting, um, getting as many faces out there as possible to see the interactions between different people. And LIJ would be a great way to do that and get Suchi in there, give Suchi a big win. Naito doesn't need to take the win if he's in the match. Um, but, you know, like last year, to me, one of the standout things was uh, Shota Umino's U.S. coming out party as yeah. as a real star. And I believe that helped, you know, for American fans buy into, oh, okay, now I see... I want to see what he's doing in New Japan now and make a big splash. And so I think it, I think it's important for New Japan to put someone like Suchi, especially Suchi in particular, 
to give him a showcase moment, a showcase win, to say, man, this is the kind of stuff. You, this is the guy who's gonna you're gonna be hearing from on you know if you subscribe to New Japan World and follow this promotion, not just you know. So I, th- I think it's important for them to show off these this new talent to um, the new audiences. As far as opponents, I hate to like throw out Lance Archer because all Lance Archer seems to do is come out and lose anymore. Um, and, and I think he's pretty sick of it too. <laughs> and technically he's not, I mean, he's AEW, but he's also New Japan, but I think that could be something, you know. Um, I don't know if it's a good use of the Mogul Embassy in this case to have like Swerve and uh, Cage and you know these, some of these big heavy hitter guys. Uh, that I don't is know if that's great a good matchup with Lij, but I love the idea of Swerve and Naito in the same ring, um, <laughs> and seeing what they do, because Naito's got a little. I mean, uh, Swerve has a little bit of that uh, Tranquio kind of swagger. vibe to him. Yeah, the swagger, and I think that like that's the thing I want to see is these interesting matchups. Like I've got the dream matches, and who wins those? Totally. I'm good on that. The rest is now I just want to see. I want to see these interactions. I want to see the things that are going to make me want to, to have a dream match next year. So let's go over the Forbidden Door matches that have been announced so far. It's fair to say that we haven't uh, actually said those out loud here on the show. So we have uh, MJF against Hiroshi Tanahashi, which is interesting. It's uh, the, the one thing I'll say about this is, uh, it depends on which Tanahashi you get. Are you gonna have? Is he having a good knee day or a bad knee day? When Tanahashi's having a bad knee day, whew, he looks an awful lot like Hiroshi Tenzan in there. Uh, sometimes it's he just uh, he's it's hard for him uh, to have a really good match anymore when he's having a bad knee day. Uh, MJF is a terrific heel, one of the best in this uh, in this industry, one of the best in a long time. Hiroshi's the classic babyface if there ever was one. Uh, it's a fair point to make that Hiroshi Tanahashi challenged for the AEW title last year and lost it on this show. So I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed that it was Tanahashi against MJF when it came to the AEW title. I, I love Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's an all-time legend. He's not as mobile as he used to be on that. And it's it's just difficult for him there. So uh, we'll see uh, how this goes. And we're also going to see... Uh, that's interesting. On this one, like, I was talking to Kevin about this last night. I think this is going to be a really good match. And I think MJF is incredibly motivated to make it a good match because he's going to be in the ring with Hiroshi Tanahashi. I stewed on it, and I sat, and I thought, and I thought about it after the match was announced. And I'm like, okay, why? And it's just, if MJF gets a great match out of this, he can put it in his hat. He can put a feather in his cap. And I think we all know that he can, but he loves New Japan. We've seen him in his wrestling, that he's pulling those moves. And this might be a bucket list thing. And I I don't know what other scenario we'd ever get to have it. So for a once in a lifetime, sure, sign me up. I can look past the quibbles about uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and his and his health and everything, this this has marquee over it, all over it, even though there are two matches that are completely overshadowed. Well, let me say one other thing, yeah. too. Is Tanahashi's an incredibly intelligent worker, and he reminds me in a lot of ways of Sting, and not just because of the legend status, but in that he might not be able to do what he used to do in his matches, but both men are incredibly smart about what they do and when they do it. 
Mm-hmm. Their their timing of it, and maybe they don't do as much, but everything they do gets maximum impact. That I'm okay. I I don't think this is going to be a bad match. I just keep thinking that man, I, there's there's a roster full of guys. I don't know. I and and I just know that I saw Tanahashi not very long ago, and he really couldn't run. He, there he is could, a, he, he couldn't. There is a roster full of guys, but there is a clock on how long you have if you are yeah. ever going to do this match. I guess so. This this so match other, is never going to get better. This is probably the last chance, you know. Like, the, if you're if you're gonna have MGF and Tanahashi, it's got to be now. It's it's only gonna get worse from here, probably, um, unless you just time it just right with him resting up or something. Um, but I agree. I my my pick my ser- I was the one out there saying let's make the case for MGF and Yano and just doing a straight up comedy. <laughs> thing and i was half serious about that but like if i could pick anyone it'd be like a shingo uh who because like like we were saying last night i think the best case scenario for mjf on this show is to be dragged kicking and streaming screaming into a show that he (laughs) thinks he's above and getting put in the ring with someone who's going to take him to the limit and having an incredibly physical compelling match where he gets to show because the real the the real max is out to show that he is, uh, you know, is that he is a generational talent. The character of Max is trying to be above it, but the real guy, he wants to go out there and have a banger. And, um, and I, and I I think it'll be good. I, I'm really interested to see how it plays because I think MGF does well when he's, I think he's, he's, he's proven to be a very physical wrestler and, um, in his, in his best matches are the ones where he's like really being pushed physically and Tanahashi's not really going to do that with him. So it'll be really interesting. It, the other world title match on this show is going to be Sonata, who put out an open challenge, and it was answered by Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And I wanted to bring this match up first here just because I feel, Kevin, that this is more of an angle than a world title match. And I'm curious to see because they're they're making the point, and there it is on the screen, that Hook is going to be in Jack Perry's corner. There's a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of moving parts going on with Jack Perry, Hook, and on the other side, Luchasaurus, Christian, and all that. Uh, So there's very little doubt that Jack Perry is going to lose this one. I don't think the world titles are in any danger of changing hands on this show. That's not the point of it. But do you feel that there's going to be the beginning or a hint of an angle with Hook, or are they doing a big angle with hook on this show I, I guess i'm saying are they planting the seeds here or is this going to be it my gut says you won't see anything on this show that's blatant yeah i think you'll see valiant jack perry probably have a really good match with sonata oh yeah uh come have a couple of really good hope spots it'll probably overperform people's expectations i think especially for the u.s fans who have who are like wait that's sonata that's not who i remember um and um and then he'll he'll lose and probably get comforted by hook i think what they're doing is i think that this is leading towards jack turning on hook yeah um but i but i think it is like what we're doing right now is laying the seeds to have the relationship that's going to get broken later okay yeah it, it felt a little bit too early to do the big turn right there but there's little doubt that with all of his yeah. talk about you're my best friend i want you in my corner uh that uh, and the other thing about those promos kevin is like, 
I think Perry might actually be pretty good at the smarmy role, which he hasn't done I, much. But some a, of that yeah. stuff, the way he, he was talking right to my best friend, I was like, hmm, this could yeah. work. This could work. Okay, this could work out. Yeah. So he I could be a smug little you prick. This could be okay. Yeah. 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 So you've got you've got the Dylan McKay like when Dylan McKay yeah. goes evil like he's been practicing right. he's been watching <laughs> <Right>. the footage. <laughs> yeah, very few things, by the way, guys, are as fun as when I have guests over and people around for AEW TV, and I point out that that Luke's Perry that's Luke Perry's kid, and they're just like, get the hell out of yeah. here! No, it oh my yeah. god, it is! Look at him. You know, like, yeah. they, they there's two things I always bring up. That's Luke Perry's kid, and she's yeah. really a dentist in real life. right yeah exactly uh and brad says this will be the orange osprey match for 2023 that's an interesting point uh the match that few people are expecting anything out of will impress everyone coming out of it Uh, jack perry impresses me all the time i I agree this could be the coming out party match and and i'll tell you what if tony is able to maneuver a guy into position every forbidden door to have a coming out type of thing on a consistent basis then he's using this show in a really smart way for his company yeah. So I was thinking about this match too. And Sonata's a really interesting champion because so far he hasn't had the epic title defenses that people would immediately put up like, oh man, this is the guy in IWGP. And him having this match doesn't necessarily help that knock on him. But then a lot of people tend to forget Sonata was the guy that beat Okada. Like, he was the guy when nobody else could. He was the guy that had Okada's number and took the title from him, and nobody's been able to take it from him since. I think and that wasn't out of nowhere either. They have... Was that? That wasn't out of nowhere either. The storyline of Sonata not ever being able to overcome Okada has been around for a long time. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. he had loser stink all over him going back to November. They were playing up a losing streak. He was down. He was depressed. This is all a build, and... When we're looking at Sonata in this match, this is a progression point on a larger story for him. And so when we're all like, yeah, it's a foregone conclusion he's not going to to lose this match, the, the story isn't really about it. It's about how he maintains that legacy and he's trying to carry that title to mean something new and different. Uh, beyond what Okada is doing. So he wants to give the new guy a title shot. He wants to give the junior heavyweight guy a title shot. He wants to do an open challenge at Forbidden Door. And then he's going to go into G1, presumably, and just have a great run there and maybe have, and I think have the best record of anybody in there to to really say, like, okay, you may not think he's the guy, but we are doing everything in our power to tell you this is the guy and he calls his own shots. That's the Sonata that I'm hoping is eventually portrayed because that's what they're trying to do and not quite do it and for the podcast folks brad writes in jack and sonata are very similar both very very good wrestlers that are very good looking good looking guys oops wrong company <laughs> that's true those are that's for uh that's for the other guys there but uh, from all together again we learned that but uh they don't have a ton of charisma outside the ring yeah it's a problem with sonata the it's always been a problem with sonata sonata until this breakthrough against okada had been the guy that kept banging his head against the ceiling of the very top guys. And of course he had, uh, he had the win over Okada in the G one where it was the Mm -hmm. longest G one match that didn't go the 30 minute time limit to have, to have a finish. It was something like 29 minutes and 50 seconds or something incredibly close to a draw. Was that the greatest, was that the one with the greatest two count in history? 
Yeah, there. Yeah, that was. There were a few of those. Okada is one of the best guys at almost getting beat there is in the industry. So, you know that he's been just on the brink right there. Ghetto, I think, has had in mind a run for Sonata for a long time, and just maneuvered him into the spot. And now, I mentioned that I thought, and I'm still kind of halfway standing by it, although I'm thinking about it as the the, the event approaches. Thought that Will Osprey was going to win the G1. I just keep thinking that. <sighs> Now I, I lean a little bit more toward Naito just because somewhere along the line, Naito mm. and Sonata have to wrestle for all the marbles, right? Yeah. I mean, after all this, there has to be that match somewhere where it's Naito and Sonata for all the marbles. So I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes right there. I'm still thinking Will, but are they sharing a block? No, none of them are. No, None of those three guys. Are. No, but there are strategic setups so that the semifinals and the quarterfinals, if yeah. you, as we were talking in the Discord, uh, if you put them in the right places, you can almost kind of read where they could go. You could come up with four or five different scenarios that all just have these completely amazing matchups that we haven't had since before the Cup and just feuds that. I'm just, I'm very excited for that, for that. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> Sonata is in the kitty, is at the kitty table. Basically it's him, Chase Owens, and everybody else in his block is making their G1 debut. So he gets Ren wow. Narita, Sh- Sh- Shota Umino. Kaido Kiyomiya. Uh, Kaido Kiyomiya and Yoda Suji all in that block. So, wow. you know, that, it, that's I'm intriguing. Gonna, I keep looking at this image and I go back to the MJF image, the one before. And... Hanada and MJF are the two opposites of the same coin. They both have they both have a perception of being a champion that they have to prove something either to themselves or to everyone else. They both beat presumably the top guys in the company at the time when people were like, "Is he really going to beat the guy?" And it was a question. They both come out with their robes in their free time. They both coming out in the suit. He is Hanada is the face idealization of the fighting champ and MJF is the heel idealization of the mm. unfighting champ. It is really amazing when you think about it, the similarities mm. of the two champions right now. Yeah, I think Sonata has a little more. I think everybody understands that MJF is playing this character, but that he's actually one of the very best in the business. And uh, Sonata, I think there are still a lot of people that aren't sure Sonata is the right call for New Japan. I don't yeah. think too many people doubt that MJF is the right guy for main events. But I think there are still some NJPW people just thinking, Sonata, really? That's the guy? You know, so I think he's going to prove it. And I admit that I had my doubts about it a little bit right there. But we talk about it all the time. The tickets are up. The sales are up. All the reactions to everything is that they like having Sonata on top. Okay, so sell me on – I meant to ask this last night, but I'm glad you're both – I'm glad I'm on here with both of you to get it. Sell me on just five guys. Because when I when I when I saw the names that are in this faction that are now the faction of the of the of the champion of the company, and I think this is this is the lower rung of Suzuki Gun, plus tight I mean in Taichi who I consider not lower rung, okay, along and and Sonata, and I'm thinking wow that's a third string faction, if I heard it. But everything I hear is they're doing very well and they're very popular. So what am I missing? 
I will say this, that Taichi has been having career years lately. And you said that you didn't think of him as, as bottom tier. Yeah, or I don't think tier, of him right? like that. Yeah. Yeah, right. he's really had a career renaissance lately, uh, especially he's improved every year since he's moved into the heavyweight division. The other one, Doki, has really come along. And for a while, he was the guy in Suzuki-Goon that protected everybody else and took the losses. He was the yeah. Bushi uh, in the Los Angeles. And since breaking away from that and joining just five guys, he's been pushed a little harder. And in the Super Juniors this year, he had a really good tournament. He has shown in a singles match with Tetsuya Naito that he can go with a heavyweight. And I think he is on the way up. It's going to take a little while because Ghetto does things slowly when it comes to this. He is the king of the slow burn where it takes years for a guy to make it all the way up there. But I think Doki is headed that direction. The other one, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, has mm -hmm. gotten out of his Suzuki-Goon act. And there was an act to Yoshinobu Kanemaru. He was doing basically the same match each time, which yeah, is what they what wanted from him. And I think he has broken out of that. And he's gotten into more of a submission wrestling style. He's made the figure four a cornerstone. He has 100 ways to get in and out of it. And I think he has also been wrestling better uh, now that he's broken away from that. I think they just need to freshening up. And, and they've changed their working style a little bit. I think they're working harder, and they're having better matches. So I would say that Kanemaru is a veteran. He's over 40 years old. He's got over 20 years in the business. You know, his, he's closer to the end of the career than the beginning of it. But he's seen a bit of a resurgence. Doki, I'd say, is the other way. He's on the way up. And uh, then, like you said, you have Taichi, who's brought new things to the king of pro wrestling title so that's my sell to you on that an up-and-coming junior heavyweight the classic veteran junior heavyweight who's having one more really strong run and then two very strong wrestlers on top takamichi noku is there to protect everybody and to talk and he's effective mm -hmm. at both so he's the guy that can wrestle for a little while in a match take somebody's finishing move and it doesn't have to hurt anybody's uh, anybody else so uh there's my sell uh jeremy did i miss anything there's a couple of things I'm just going to add for context. So around this time last year, New Japan announced that they were going to go with uh, an initiative, an initiative called New Japan Pro Wrestling 2.1. And that meant they were going to be changing a lot of things, including how they do the Young Lions program, just, kind, just really redoing everything in light of the COVID protocols and just things that had aged out in some of that. We then cut to around November, December, and Taichi and Hanada have like a frenemy thing going on all throughout the world tag week. Hanada is in it, Taichi's not, but he's still cheering him on, really just kind of, you're my bro, you're my dude. Great. So they, they plant the seeds there. So if you're watching, you know all these things are kind of happening. We then get to the Suzuki-Goon breakup, which in and of itself was a tremendous event at the end of the year yeah. for Wrestle Kingdom. But what you ended up having there was not just what all everyone assumed was going to happen, which was that Sabre Jr. was just going to take the faction over, and it was going to be all business as usual. They basically right. split this up into three different factions. Uh, the just four guys essentially looked like the loser faction out of that because he didn't have... Sonata, you basically had Taiichi and a, and a couple of guys. And yeah. then you got to the New Japan Cup, and then you had Sonata and Taiichi realize that, yeah, we're friends, we're doing this, we're getting together, and just four guys just became just five guys. And essentially what you have is 
the Japanese version of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn reuniting, and now they're at the top of this faction, and they're kind of running the show, and all the fans over there are like, hell yeah, these guys have been running together for years all over Japan. Now they're doing it here in, in New Japan. It's their time. We are here for it. That is my sell for you because they've that been laying sense. the groundwork for all this for a while, and and just the reward and the payoff for the consistent fans is what they're looking for. Even though when you're looking at it from the inside in, you're like, just five guys. I really don't yeah. get it. I want to yeah. get it. It seems like yeah. everybody is already in on it. What am I missing? It's really yeah. just the the connection and the investment. It's the long-term feel-good aspect of it. It's like, okay, these guys love hanging out with each other. Even in the backstage comics, Taichi's like, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to go home. I was off tonight. I was like, yeah, what was up with that? I was like, I don't know. You walked a different way out the entrance and it threw me <laughs> off. And I just, I don't even know, man. I'm just going to go get ready for the G1. I was like, all right, man, you do that. Have a great weekend. <laughs> like, they're friends. Later. <laughs> Brad, Brad makes another good uh, note here about Doki. He said he was an injury replacement a couple of years ago. He was never meant to be brought in. And so Ghetto didn't know what to do with him, especially since he wasn't New Japan made. Yeah, he came in because El Desperado broke his jaw just before the best of the Super Juniors. So he was brought in to uh, fill in that spot. He was he had been wrestling in Mexico and was back home. And they just said, well, we need a guy. We need a guy quick. And he came in, yeah. uh, did well enough in that best of the Super Juniors that they decided to keep him on and kept him in Japan. And, uh, yeah, it probably did take a while for him because he really didn't have a spot. He was just uh, filling in for El Desperado for a while. So, yeah, it's, he's, he's, he's a good worker, though. He's, he's really good. And all those years on the Mexican Indies, it's a hard road. It's a really tough road to go for all those years trying yeah. to make it into CMLL and never getting accepted. And uh, the guy can wrestle with anybody because, my goodness, if you're going to run into every style in the world, work the Mexican Indies for a while. You're going to run into anything and anyone uh, out there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that, there's our two world title matches. Now, of course, then we have the dream matches coming up. And before we get to that, though, because uh, we're going to talk about those, of course. Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, Kazuchika Okada and Brian Danielson. Okada and Danielson is the all-time dream match. It's a self, It can be a self-contained unit, one match. It doesn't have to have uh, a ton of angles, although I guess Okada is going to be on Dynamite on Wednesday to, to call out. Danielson was how it was uh, portrayed there, that he was going to come out and call out Danielson. So there might be a little bit of a confrontation there. It doesn't need a whole lot, though, does it, Kevin? I mean, at this point, they no. could have adjusted this match, and I would have ordered the pay-per-view, let alone uh, yeah. Omega and Osprey. It just two of the very best in the world that have been on parallel paths, meaning parallel, meaning they're never going to cross. These guys are never going to face each other. We finally get to see it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. This is... Um... I mean, this isn't a great comparison, but it's The Undertaker and Sting. It's, um, <laughs> you know, Bret Hart and Misawa, even though they did wrestle, yeah. I think, at some point. But, like, My, this yeah. this is this is a generational dream match that needs no build. It needs, it's it's just the two names is the build. Um, and I think even Wednesday, I think the build, um, personally, I think the build won't even be to build that match, but to set up what the rest of BCC is doing. So I don't, I was going to mm. ask you guys for, in terms of that prediction, if, you know, if, if this calling out Okada, I could see being, you know, I'm going to call you out, you come out. And when you come out, you're going to realize you're surrounded by the BCC. Mm. 
and does that set up chaos? But then I think, well, what's the most, you know, Occam's razor says that means chaos equals best friends and Rocky or maybe Ishii. And I don't think we want to see that. That's not what we want, you know, BCC to be doing the other three guys in there. So yeah. is, are there any scenarios you could see out of that where Okada is bringing someone with him and this segment is used to, to set up a, a multi-man match or, or some other, you know, maybe Eddie Kingston's involved in some way. I think you could see something like that. Definitely. And you, I think Ishii is the one Jeremy that comes to mind the most from chaos that could come out there and help Okada. He's been the one that's closest to Okada within uh, the chaos faction all along. We mentioned on the show when I was on the boom there, that chaos is the least cohesive of all the units in new Japan. They tend they to, are chaotic. <laughs> they, they tend to go off on their own and handle their own business right there. But Ishii has been at Okada's side throughout. Yeah. And I definitely think you could see him come out now who he ends up staring down could be just Claudio. Uh, but uh, it, which I would love to see that match. I, like I mentioned before, Claudio Castagnoli is a new Japan wrestler. He just doesn't know it yet. And I just feel like that yeah. could be uh, the the classic one. Uh, he's the one I actually won in G and G one more than anybody else actually. So, uh, so I'll shout out uh, Paul Fontaine. He suggested Kingston and Ishii versus mm-hmm. Monks and Claudio Castagnoli. Whatever Kingston sure. has, he's got a window of Forbidden Door. He's mm-hmm. got the mm-hmm. Dynamite after, and laughably the Collision on July eighth to do whatever he's got going on in AEW before he is off to Japan for good until at least the middle of August. So whatever they brought Kingston in for, it's got to be something pretty immediate. And I imagine uh, something with Ishii, something with Moxley, given that they they went in that direction so quickly and kind of haphazardly. It didn't really fit the angle. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's it just like, oh, surprise, Eddie Kingston is here. Okay. Still around. <laughs> and, and you can do the thing where eventually it leads to Kingston going eye to eye with Ishii. You know, maybe there's a malfunction somewhere in the match or something because they are in the G1 in the same block. So yeah. you could always do a thing where, okay, we're, you know, we're going to butt heads a little bit because we're going to crash into each other in July. So what if I, Kingston is on the same team as Moxley? Like they have a they have a Mockley Kingston and Claudio and they still can't work with each other they can't deal with each other still. Uh, it's possible, you know that that's the it, it's yeah, Kingston and Claudio on the same team. Yeah, I mean that's that's they've possible done it before. Too. Yeah, they have. Yeah, that's possible. I and and you know there's so many people right now that you're wondering are they going to be on this? What's Moxley's spot on here? What's the elite spot for the love of God? We know that Kenny's in a huge right. match, of course, but you, you tell me that Adam Page and the Young Bucks aren't going to have anything to do with this? That I'm yeah, real skeptical we're of. Less than a week away, and we don't know what the Bucks, Hangman, Eddie. Maybe they have BCC. a Bullet Club match. Maybe. Maybe it's that them against Finley and a couple of the War Dogs. Yeah, could be. I mean, it's, there's just so many directions yeah. they could go, and and we we just don't know. There's a lot of card to fill out so far. There's a lot of yeah. card to fill out. So Brad just so one of the scenarios I had. Eddie, I'm sorry. Go uh, ahead, Kevin. What that they just added an Eddie speak segment to Dynamite. You just put that on the screen. That uh, yeah, Brad that makes that. me think that maybe Eddie's not going to be involved in this. Uh, yeah. You know, to the the that segment. Maybe maybe he's just coming out to call out somebody. I mean, he could just come out and be like. Ishii, let's go, partner. And mm-hmm. that's it. Like, that could be the whole segment. 
Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to take a chunk out of you. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I don't want to peel back the onion on match card renders, but if you pay attention to this match card from Eddie Kingston for Dynamite, and then you pay attention to this match card for Eddie Kingston for Independence Day, it seems yeah. like he took the photo on the same night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah probably, probably did. Yeah, do the backstage photo session. beard there. there. So, do you, uh, Kevin? Oh, we mentioned the the elite. We mentioned uh, these other guys there, the Moxley and Castagnoli and things. Uh, do you have a theory on what, where the Bucks could end up, or Adam Page, or like, are you like us, where it's just like, geez, the, there's so much of the roster that's free that could be part of this that it's hard yeah. to pin down. I have no clue because, especially with the Bucks, because, and I think you guys have pointed this out that like. The ta- the the ta- the heavyweight tag team scene seems pretty slim. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you could because of um, like Aussie Open is out, but you could have um, Akira and TJP go against the Bucks as an undercard version of the Omega um, Osprey. Uh, mm-hmm. And just do mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. pair them up with the juniors because I mean they're you know, put they're, Jeff Cobb in that match and Hangman as well. Yeah, hung bucks against uh, against those two and, and Jeff Cobb. That'd be a great match. Yeah, I think and, that, and that'd, that'd be, be the kind point. of thing you know. I think. I mean, I you know, if you're not to me, if you're not going to put Omega, I mean, not Omega, um, Hangman. Like, I'm still mad. Hang, we didn't get Hangman Okada last year. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're not going to put Hangman in that type of match, I think just put him in a six man where where it's just going to be a great match. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, th- I think that's you know I like I like the idea of those undercard matches that mirror the 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 main event counterparts. Sure. No, I think I, I like that a lot. I think that would be a great way to do it right there. And I you know I mentioned that you know I thought we're we're probably going to get Orange Cassidy and Zack Saber Jr. That seems mm-hmm. to be the way it was going. I thought we were going to get TV title versus TV title with Samoa Joe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe that's something that they will do in. England because you know they have a big show going. That's how I'm going to cover my ass because I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so, 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 so I, 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 they're going to do it then. That's when they're going to do it. Yes, that's it. But uh, yeah, uh, we're probably going to get that one. There's going to be more. It's hard to think that the tag team titles wouldn't have something to do with this. But yeah, uh, yeah. And then I'll, of course, go ahead, Jeremy. I'll throw out a match. I kind of scenario I mentioned last night on the boom, and that involves the IWG. IWGP women's title scenario. And yes. we've seen Willow Nightingale have a couple of run-ins with the outcasts of Tony Storm and Ruby Sky along with Sky Blue. The scenario I posited was Tony Storm challenging Willow Nightingale for her title, thinking that Willow Nightingale would be some kind of easy pickings going into Forbidden Door and Willow Nightingale beating her on a title defense rather than it being a challenge by Willow against Tony Storm that she would lose. It's all about the perception of the heel being over cocky and realizing her opponent is the real deal. And I think that's the way that we need to go with that one. That'd be smart. That would be the best match possible, really, for Willow in that sense. Tony's the best worker AEW has. So a uh, female worker that AEW mm-hmm. has. So I would I would I would be into that. Uh, I just happy to see those two in a big spot too. That, yeah. that, that would make me yeah. happy. I, I'm gonna add to that actually now that I thought about it. You do the run back at all in at Wembley, and then after Tony beats Willow, we have a Mercedes Monet return. 
If she's able to, why not? Let's do it then. That would be terrific. And uh, Brad has a thought here. Uh, great, uh, great Ocon, Jeff Cobb, and Hanare against the Young Bucks. He's thinking about that while we're talking. Hanare can eat the pin and allow Omega to beat Osprey to make the series 1 1 Elite versus UE. That's a beautiful segment, Brad. You're not even uh, one of the hosts of the show. We probably should be because that's going to take us right to the last match to talk about, which is Kenny Omega and Will Osprey. I agree that Kenny is going to win this thing again because I think Osprey's triumphant moment is going to become is going to come in his home country, in Wembley. Uh, so, and, and I threw a theory out there that Osprey loses this one. He's dejected. He's down and out, but he steals himself. We get the Rocky training montage, the whole spiel, and he wins G1 and maybe even has to defend the mythical title shot against Kenny Omega. Uh, who who wants to get back on top and at Wembley? I just have it for all the marbles, doggone it! The U.S. title, the title shot at uh, at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, the whole spiel. So I kind of feel that is uh, while Will Ospreay is my current favorite wrestler in the world, I think he's going to do another loss to Kenny Omega here in this one, especially with Will playing up the heavy heel Canada sucks angle. Yeah, yeah, that that's been something to see. That's <laughs> that's been fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like that idea a lot. I, I know Thanks. you guys have brought up that you both are um, pretty, pretty still on board with the idea that Will is the man in New Japan uh, come January, yeah. and that everyone's like building to that, and that you probably want to protect his big singles matches between them. But I, to me, I think if he is really going just from a booking and character perspective, as a fan of both companies and the stories they're telling not necessarily any one booker's plans but um for me the character of will osprey if his destination is to uh get to wrestle kingdom and win the iwgp world title he's got to put this feud behind him first to me mm-hmm. and i think losing it losing it forbidden door and going through climbing that impossible mountain of the G1 and then putting that on the line. I'm going to risk it all. I'm, I'm double or nothing. I'm, you know, I'm leaving all my chips on the table because, you know, every match I'm going to have is for everything or nothing to, to then have that big thing is 60,000 people in his world. Number one, I think if Will Ospreay has anything to do with it, that's what he would want to do. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. I imagine because, what that, yeah. imagine how that England crowd would be for him. In yeah. That match. Oh, the, God. The argument against it is you're putting a non-AEW person over to close, like theoretically to close the show, or at least, you know, like your biggest deal on your show as a non-AEW guy. But but I think Tony, number one, I think he thinks a little differently about those kind of things. The other one is I think he's thinking, you know, maybe Will Ospreay will be an AEW guy at some point. I want exactly what I was thinking. Ask you this. Exactly what I was thinking. Let's, I said, let's, hmm, let's build some goodwill with this our might boy. Might be a good guy to make happy. Yeah. I want to ask you this. <laughs> Is it possible that we are looking at this the wrong way because we're looking at Wembley or the 60,000 in England as a one-time thing and we may be going back and doing this next year in which you can let this whole Will Ospreay thing breathe, he can have his loss, and he can have some type of different win, and then next year he has that main event spot where he went big main event, 60,000 people. Is it about now, or do you want to save that Will Ospreay when he's under your contract? You can do everything you're already doing now, 
but you can maximize it and then keep that momentum rolling. Yeah. Even if it's That's not the other even thing. If like, next, if even it's if, only one time. Yeah. Even if next year is Craven Cottage. That's still a yeah. big house you've got to fill, and I, I I see what you're saying there. And and typically, uh, when I'm trying to predict booking, I'm always more short sighted than either Tony or Ghetto, especially Ghetto. And I look I look yeah. at the long game. I always yeah. do. Like and that's what, fair, if, what and that, if the what if the home run here? Sorry. And, well, that's yeah. fair enough, Jeremy. I'll, I'll say this though. I think that if you do set this up and make Will happy with the idea of maybe signing him next year, that type of thing. Uh, will Osprey on top against another heel will still be a monster draw next year, especially perhaps if he gets the big win in Wembley. And it's the guy, you know, nothing makes people believe in a good guy more than him coming through in a big moment. So if he comes through against Kenny after being beaten down at Wrestle Kingdom and here at Forbidden Door comes back and in front of his home people, he gets it's because of you. I'm here in front of my people then I think you could bring him back next year against somebody else. And he says, I need my folks again, man. I'm in a bad spot. This guy's tough. I need my people again. And Some it'll be a great for that uh, big match Facebook. with MJF. <laughs> hey, you know, Will can do just about anything. And uh, we're finding yeah. out that MJF pretty much can too when he's uh, when he gets time to think about it. So uh, he's, he's a hell of a man. I, I can't uh, – it's hard to think of a better heel than what MJF has done in the last few yeah. years in pro wrestling. Just staggering. So – Kenny Omega in in this match at the end of Double or Nothing, he said something very interesting, and in that he needed to go to Japan to contact some people, and mm-hmm. he left. But that really hasn't been paid off yet. Mm-hmm. And if there is a payoff to this, and they're hinting it, I would tend to think that Forbidden Door might be the payoff. And I threw something out there to Kevin Ely last night that. Will Ospreay, more than likely, would be flanked by the entirety of United Empire when he comes out there if he's got a main event thing. Maybe instead of the Young Bucks and Hangman Page, Kenny Omega is flanked by one Kota Ibushi instead. And he is the, uh, he is the, the one to corner Kenny Omega, and that leads into some other events later on into the summertime. That was kind of the big surprise reveal that I was like, if you really wanted to just blow everyone away during Forbidden Door, give them something that they weren't expecting, Kota Ibushi in the main event is exactly what you do. All right. Well, we have a couple of comments I want to mention. Colin Matthew thinks this could go to a time limit draw. That would actually make it 1-1-1 one, one, and one if they chose to do it that way, which is an interesting point. 1-0-1? One, oh, it would be well. It would be idea Assuming that, that Kenny won one. this one. If Osprey wins in England, that would be okay. a win, a draw, and a loss for each guy, and uh, which is an interesting point. Could be a thirty-minute time limit on that one, I would imagine. Uh, and then, do you think Jay White and Juice get added? Boy, that and we've talked about that on the show a couple of times. That's tricky, isn't it? Because Bullet Club Gold is one thing, and then the current Bullet Club with David Finlay is another, and they can't coexist in a coherent mm-hmm. storyline because Finlay was overthrown or overthrew yeah. Jay White. It, they, yeah. they should not be able to be in the same building together. You shouldn't something. even have Kingston anywhere near either of those guys either. No, you shouldn't even have yeah. Kingston on the AEW show in the first yeah. place. So, it, yeah. <laughs> I guess unless it's, he's representing New Japan now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of. There's, yeah. there's a lot of weirdness going on with that. So 
if uh, they can't be part of the regular Bullet Club. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could do something along the lines of Finlay and somebody against Jay White and Juice just for that. I, I guess you could do if that. If it were me, yeah. I would spend yeah. a backstage segment settling their issues and coming to some type of you know understanding so everyone understands what this is going forward and just do two minutes and sometimes if that's what they want to do but they do need to get out of the ambiguity between bullet club and bullet club gold because they are not aligned with each other but no one is truly clear on that and that is that is just a mess up because of jay white not going to wwe it's unfortunate nobody's at fault but this may be the opportunity to really just say, okay, here's the status quo going forward. Yeah, the only thing is, I just don't see how those guys coexist character-wise, Finlay and Jay White, just because Jay wouldn't be second in command in Bullet Club. And I also don't think he would just say, oh, well, I guess I see why you whacked me in the head with a shillelagh. I guess it's all right. We'll be buddies now. It doesn't really fit the Jay White character much. And uh, so I, I think that one's uh, that one's a bit of a pothole there. That would be tricky, and they might yeah. they might just avoid it altogether. Yeah, and it, it and even though this is a co-promoted AEW New Japan show, I think I think you'd probably agree that it, it, AEW is more invested in this than New Japan in terms of it being their show, and that feels like a very New Japan centric angle to run. Yeah, in terms of like for the AEW fans. It's just going to be kind of confused. It's not going to be a great introduction to what New Japan is to get in the nuance of like these things. Yeah. To me, the thing I thought it was if you, if you really wanted them on there, um, I mean, you could do FTR, but that's really more an AWAW match. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, if I felt like you could probably get away with Kenta, even though he's 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 enough disconnected from he's Kenta. Um, yeah, he's Kenta. Like he can, he's kind of a free space on the board. You could, I feel like you could have him show up for Jay, uh, and uh, and do like Kenta, Jay, and Juice against FDR and Punk, and then have some Kenta Punk interactions, but not really have the match depend on it. That'd be and the then, best case scenario. And then you could, then when you know when Kenta returns his next interactions, you could have a deal where Finley's like. What you know? What the hell, dude? You know, like, <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? And Kenta's just like, I'm Kenta. You know, what are you? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, so it's tri- it is tricky because Kenta sided with uh, Finlay against El Fantasmo right. and all that. So there's right. a lot, just a lot of moving parts like there. And like Jeremy mentioned, like none of this was supposed to happen. I mean, Jay yeah. White was supposed to be in WWE, and then we don't have well, this know, thing. So that's another guy is El Fantasmo. Like that's yeah. another guy that would be great to have on the show. He, I think he'd be someone that would blow people away. He was yeah. incredibly entertaining last year with Sting. Oh yeah. Uh, he could one hundred percent be on a team with the Bucks and Hangman Page against the Bullet Club team. Yeah, right. And half the people tuning in would think he's Logan Paul. So and would and would, <laughs> yes, that is true. That's a very good point. Yeah, my girlfriend thought the same thing. Now she can't. Now no, nobody can unsee it. Now we go. Yeah. He's, he's the lost Paul brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, what did, what did she say he was? He was like Methy Paul. Was that how he was? He was <laughs> That was how my so, girlfriend uh, put it. As El Fantasma's Methy Paul. Paul. We got a couple other matches that we can kind of read some tea leaves on here. Mm-hmm. So we got the Shibata and Garcia, potentially. Uh, I wouldn't be against it, but that feels more Ring of Honor build. Down that the feels line. like a death or dishonor setup. Yeah, there you go. but 
But Orange Cassidy and Zack Sabre Jr. is a dream match that I never knew that I wanted. Right. And so I am I am on board with that. And then we also have Lei Suzuki Sex Gogs versus Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and A.R. Fox. What the uh, hell is this Steven, match? you mentioned yeah. <laughs> you mentioned a storyline match earlier on Forbidden Door. This too feels like a storyline match. Kevin, what do you think about it? Man, I don't know. What the only thing I can think of is number one, this tells me Suzuki's in town and he'll probably be on the show in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are they just doing it to set up a, a, a you know, Chris Jericho having another, like, I'm going to, you know, act, I'm going to wrestle younger than I look match with, uh, you know, let Suzuki beat me up kind of thing. Or, you know, one one thing I could see, here's one thing I could see, just just from the storyline perspective, I could see them losing, um, well, I don't know about losing, I don't know about losing those guys, but I could see some tension, I could see some tension happening with Suzuki, and uh, Suzuki being like, screw you guys, maybe walking on the match, something like that. And Chris Jericho is so mad that he cuts a promo at Dynamite with Lexi or Renee or something and being like, Suzuki, I'm the legend. I'm a wizard. You do not do this to me. At Forbidden Door, I challenge you, Minoru Suzuki versus Sammy Guevara. And and (laughs) Guevara gets roped into having to get beat up by Suzuki. Wait just a a darn minute here. (laughs) Yeah. I am going to be a father. I cannot be. I had yeah. I had a thought, and it was all predicated on how quickly they're going to do the slow burn between Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Does kind of mm-hmm. seem like they are pointing at all out in Chicago for a blow off match between these two. So how quick do you do the slow burn? If you do the burn and the breakup now, you could do Suzuki Ren Narita, El Desperado Sammy Guevara versus Jericho Daniel Garcia and Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, or you could do Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Daniel Garcia versus the Speaking of Strong Style three-on-three. So it just kind of depends on where they want to go with that, but I do think come four days later, Suzuki and Jericho are going to be on opposite sides of the ring for each other. Yeah, and and Brad mentioned Jericho and Sammy against Suzuki and Ren Narita, perhaps, at the pay-per-view coming out of this, which would would be a good match. That would be pretty solid stuff. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Speaking of Strong Style... Speaking of strong stuff, and uh, and you know, and Narita could probably take the fall on that one, or you know, I mean, Jericho and Sammy could if you just wanted to blow the whole thing off. Then you know, like yeah. if, if one of them could lose and then turn on each other. That's possible. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, good luck, Sammy. Good luck to you. I wish you all the best, Sammy, in that one. <laughs> so uh, does that mean Luchasaurus Luchasaurus is going to have a match with this title on the show? No. <laughs> I think the TNT does it. The TNT title doesn't no. cross the forbidden door. <laughs> no, no, I would, I would, I would give anything, anything at all, for oh. Luchasaurus versus Yoda Suji and Yoda Suji beats him. Oh, I would give anything in the world for that. Oh, that would be oh. cool. That they should just, they should just have a, they should have a faction where Luchasaurus, Angelo Dawkins. Christian and Marty Janetti is leading this yeah. faction of all the people <laughs> that hung on by their fingernails yeah. to much more talented wrestlers for as long as they possibly could. In her trip. <laughs> that'll be. That'll hey, be I'm still trying right to there. find a match for Yano, so you know maybe. That's oh well, there he is. Right there. I, I joked. I joked around about some of that, like Angelo Dawkins. I thought if they had replaced Angelo Dawkins with another guy in the Street Profits, it might be three weeks before anyone noticed. 
because you know, everyone just looks at my chest forward the whole time. And I just yeah, feel like, yeah. you know, like in the Luchasaurus, it's like, man, he's just, oh, man. Uh, you know, Perry carried him. But, you know, that they, they've been teasing that Luchasaurus might be going babyface on, uh, I thought, when he won that title, by the way, last week, that they teased a babyface turn there, the way Christian was acting. The way that Christian uh, held up In the character party, like yeah. an idiot. I like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? We'll see how that turns out. But, yeah, interesting stuff here. I, I do think this will end up being... Jericho and Suzuki on opposite sides at uh, at the pay per view. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck, Minoru. <laughs> yeah. Do your best, buddy. <laughs> All right. So, do we think the House of Black has a match on uh, the Forbidden Door? Wow, that's a good question. House of Black versus House of Torture. Either way, the house wins. The house wow. always wins. The house, the house always, always wins. wins. House always wins. The mist versus the wrench. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. Yeah, you could do. You could do that. You can I, do that. I still got my dream of Darby and Sting versus Hiromu and Naito. Even I love though, that too. oh, I love that so much. Even though Naito in the backstage comments on the 18th made it abundantly clear that his next date, wink, wink, was in Mexico for CMLL, and I'll be in Mexico for CMLL. That's my big next date. I'll. Yeah, I'm just gonna go home now. I'll see you later. <laughs> not gonna, not gonna be doing anything else. Just uh, hang out. Yep. Yes, yeah, sir, Ibovsky. Yeah, not definitely not getting on a long flight. No. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they could be do definitely do something like that. That would work. Uh, the acclaim, I, you know, Keith Lee, stick, Swerve. There's all these guys on there, and we're getting, well, we're getting down. The only thing yeah. is, I would I wouldn't mind if it were Naito and Suji or something like that. That LIJ thing, because I really want to see Hiromu Takahashi against somebody really good from the junior heavyweight division. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's Darby, I would love that. I would love. Uh, he's mentioned the the initial F in some of his promos, although he didn't last week. So I don't know. Maybe that's something that fell through. But uh, he actually had a lot to do because he was in his hometown, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Hiromu was. Uh, had a lot going on there, and he was also plugging a Dragon's Gate date that he's going to do later on. So Hiromu's got a lot of irons in the a lot of irons I in the fire. Will... But he's mentioned F, and that seems Phoenix. Which I mean, if you want to put Phoenix and Hiromu out there, I'm... yeah, sure, man. I wondered if they might be saving that match for that All Star Junior Heavyweight Tournament in mm-hmm. August. Yeah. You know, just yeah, kind of he's got to wrestle somebody then. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I uh, one thing I suggest, and this is a little bit of uh, probably wish fulfillment booking was. Uh, paying off that collision angle with Andrade by having Andrade show up to challenge um, House of Black for the trio's title and his partners being uh, Naito. Like the dream dream would be Naito, Roosh, and Andrade reforming the original in Gobernables. But but having some sort of like LIJ partners for Andrade uh, to go against House of Black would be a pretty pretty awesome deal. For the folks watching and listening, by the way, when Andrade was La Sombra in CMLL, that was a badass dude. That was yeah. he was so he good. was amazing. Those, he was so wonderful. And... What a heel! God Almighty, what a heel he was! Mm. Yeah, that would be fun. There's so many options. There's just so many ways this could go. And now that we know that this is going to be an annual thing, you don't have to do all of it right now, admittedly. Nope. But you know, we're uh, there's a lot to be excited about with this. And just one mention to everybody here listening and watching that next week on the show, we are going to have a guest as well. We're thrilled to have Kevin here to help us preview this. Coming off of it, Mel Gray from Power Bombshells is going to be in attendance at Forbidden Door there in Toronto. And then she's going to join us on the show to tell us all about the live experience there being on uh, being in Forbidden Door. So we get Kevin's AEW expertise here, and then we're going to get her reactions to seeing it live next week. Uh, just a thrilled 
uh, for both of those things. So I'm, I'm glad we have this covered from all angles. We're on this like cheese on a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Just let that sink in for me. Yeah. Uh, oh, it did. It did. Uh, if there are really anything else that we can tea leaf about Forbidden Door, I feel like we've scratched every surface that we can possibly scratch. <laughs> the only other thing is that uh, Tanahashi's promo again on MGF was absolutely delightful. Go find it on YouTube, wherever, where he just can't remember his initials. Classic Tanahashi. Classic trolling. <laughs> all about it. There you go. Oh, and Mel, Mel's waving to us. Hi, Mel. There you go. I'm very glad you're here, and we're really looking forward to having you on the show next week. It's, uh, you know, Mel uh, went to the original Forbidden Door last year, and uh, we got to uh, hear her perspective on that. So she gets to see both of these uh, shows over the last couple of years. So, should we uh, should we go over the July 4th and July 5th cards real quick? Let's do that. Yes, All and right. then uh, a couple of things to mention about the Blue Justice show, and then Hajioji also. But uh, let's do this. Let's talk about July 4th and July 5th, Corican Hall, NJPW Strong, Independence Day. These are separate pay-per-views, uh, separate pay-per-views on NJPW World. It's going to cost you about $28 for both if you want to watch them, and they will be locked as a pay-per-view until September 10th. So the old model of pay-per-views being available a couple of days after uh, you buy them is no longer the case. And... Mm. There are things about these cards that I like, and there are things about these cards that are decidedly not for me, but we will get there when we get there. <laughs> so let's start with this one. So we have, uh, yeah, as you can see here on the screen, they start off with a little uh, six-man with involves some uh, talent that's uh, not in New Japan normally. Ryusuke Taguchi, Oscar Loibe, and Yo taking on, uh, that is Takahiro Katori. He is from Pro Wrestling Eagle, an independent company that I have barely heard of. But, uh, you know, he's going to be there. We'll see what he's got. I'm not familiar with Pro Wrestling Eagle or uh, Katori. So this will be a fresh set of uh, fresh set of eyes on this guy as far as I'm concerned. And then Kengo and Dragon Libre are part of Pro Wrestling Freedoms, which is Jun Kasai's promotion, uh, promotion okay. that Jun Kasai runs. So that's why they're there. So uh, Ken, Kengo, by the way, is mostly indie, but he works for Kasai a lot. Apparently, Dragon Libre is a freedoms uh, pro wrestling freedoms guy. So uh, a little bit of uh, getting Joan Kasai's uh, people in there on the undercard. So there you have it. And then we have uh, the sauce, Alex Zane, back in Japan. I haven't seen him in for a minute. Uh, Ryohei Oiwa and Lance Archer. Uh, against J.R. Kratos, Jarrell Nelson, and Royce Isaacs. So that'll be uh, a little under six minutes. the tag team name that Lance Archer gave himself and Alex Zane? What? The Murder Sauce Monsters. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Kevin, do you Why know not? the story about Alex Zane and Taco Bell? I do not. Okay. So apparently, Alex Zane is the only person that Taco Bell in Japan follows. And so he has made a gimmick out of this. And so he is the sauce Alex Zane. And there we have gone to the Murder Hawk Monster. The Murder Sauce Monsters. I love it. Uh, Alex Zane is going to be doing a lot of pins on behalf of Lance Archer. In the near yeah, yeah. I think that's true. So, yeah, there's that one. So we got the little six man down there. And then Kosei Fujita against Filthy Tom Lawler. And it uh, feels like a win for Filthy Tom right here, but it'll be good to see him back in Japan. I really liked him yeah. in the G1 last year. Tough break, yes. a 32-man field, and Tom wasn't in it. But if you look at the G1 field, 
company's just friggin' loaded right now. Who do you mm -hmm. take out? But uh, yeah, I, I, so that was something because I thought Lawler did a, a very good job in G1 last year and earned another spot. But, you know, just no room at the end right now. But against Kosei Fujita, he'll probably get a good match. He can win. I, I love that he's got the haircut, Kosei Fujita, that says, I'm no longer a young lion. I have a haircut. <laughs> I have hair now. <laughs> Always important. So, yes, and then Rocky Romero and Eddie Kingston against Kenta and Ghetto. And, of course, we're going to preview these shows a little bit more next week, too. But uh, Rocky and Eddie, uh, interesting little combo right there. And uh, Kenta and Ghetto. So I like Rocky and Eddie's chances. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. <laughs> Ghetto's there to protect. And, of course, we mentioned uh, two title matches between the same two teams. So we have the strong openweight tag team championship match on night one. Gabriel Kidd, Alex Coughlin against Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. So only the strong openweight tag team titles on the line in this one. The IWGP titles will be on the line on night two. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a wild, flailing guess and say that the War Dogs may be walking away with some blue leathered act on that night. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's the right move for guys based in the LA dojo to hold the titles on a show that is uh, most often happens in the United States. Strong uh, tapings and things. Brad, by the way, going back to the Alex Zane thing, we forgot a very important point. Kevin is that most of his big moves are named after Taco Bell food items. Like so I mean, the man the man lives the gimmick. The man lives the gimmick. Yes, like a chalupa. I got it. <laughs> so what else we got here we go oh, okay wow, now let's talk <laughs> we have this john moxley and homicide on one side on the other side el desperado and the crazy monkey june kasai oh, if you've seen june yeah. kasai he is one of the all-time deathmatch legends and he's worked for all the big deathmatch companies big japan he worries worked for uh who what was it you know the big japan is the main one that destroy themselves and all this stuff uh and then he's worked for pro wrestling freedoms is another one of him this man uh his scars have scars and uh this is going to be some sort of death match thing and uh apparently kasai i haven't seen a lot of this guy because this isn't my cup of tea death match wrestling isn't yeah. really what i enjoy but apparently he's better at knowing when to do things instead of just piling up things and jumping into them which is what most death, most death matches have turned into where here's some light tubes here's a barbed wire board here's a bunch of thumbtacks and now i'm just going to do sentons into them for 10 minutes for no reason apparently this guy can actually work a wrestling match or in a death match i'm not sure it matters i don't know i i guess it's going to be what it is i'm not a death match wrestling guy guys so Wrestling is a variety show. If you don't like, uh, if you don't like one thing, you like the next thing. This is going to be a match that I personally will tolerate more than enjoy. But uh, there the, it is. According to the graphic, it will be an exciting encounter. Exciting encounter. Exciting yeah. encounter. Doomsday. A doomsday. The tears are real, but the laughter will be fake for me. Yeah, I just <laughs> yeah. love this visual of June Kasai like he's holding an American flag. It's no, amazing. that's true. Yeah, his, his scar pockmark when he came out oh. on the seventeenth on the house show in that broad daylight, and he was just walking down there. He looked like a he looked like that Batman villain who uh, notches a scar on his body for every time he kills somebody. Yeah, Mister uh, <laughs> Zaz. Uh, he's just it's everywhere. It is literally just like you look at this guy and you've never seen him in death match. You're like, this is a death match wrestler, and I am afraid of. This is um, this is one of those matches where I feel like we're all Renee Young. Yes. 
Yeah, like right. we're all just yeah. like, oh no. So her, what? Her, her Twitter, her Twitter is worth a follow just for yeah. when Moxley is doing a match like this because you'll, you'll just see just one word. God damn it! Even more amazing if the build to this match was Moxley saying, "Go get a partner." I got homicide. I'll see you then. And Desperado going to a park with a gift and a cup of coffee for June Kasai and his young <laughs> daughter, where he's like, I found myself in a bit of a pickle and I could use your help. And he's like, well, okay, but we should make it more interesting. This isn't interesting enough for me. We got to make it worse. And Desperado's like, oh, well, guess I really got into it this time. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. And Brad mentions that uh, he is a brilliant storyteller with the plunder. So, all right, well, I guess we're going to find out. We'll all find out together. So, and then they have the uh, junior heavyweight tag team titles on the line, Francesco Akira and TJP, the champions against Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney of the new Bullet Club, uh, the new version of Bullet Club. And so that is going to be uh, a big match on the show there, a title match for the IWGP junior tag team championship. I think this is going to be their coming out party, Clark Connors and Driller Maloney. Could very well be. Let's see. And then night two, we go on night two, and it is, uh, again, starts uh, with a match with some independent uh, talent. Dragon Libre is back, Katori is back, and Rekka is uh, the third man that time against Taguchi, Bolton Oleg, and Master Watto. So there you have it. That's them. Oscar Loibe taking on J.R. Kratos. So Loibe getting a bit of a singles match here. Uh, Kratos is obviously going to win this thing, so it's all a matter of how uh, Loibe looks uh, while doing the job. This is, uh, this is interesting. I'm going to throw this in there. J.R. Kratos is a local Bay Area wrestler, and whenever uh, New Japan would come, he would do the security and lines, and he worked from the bottom up to get a spot in this roster beyond just being a young like if he had a family and he was working dates and him making it to Japan and working strong shows from New Japan. We talk about guys like Tom Lawler, like achieving yeah. their dream. This is 100% one of those same guys. And I'm just, I'm happy that I'm able to tell that context of the story. Cause this guy grinded to get here. That's awesome, very good. Colin, by the way, letting us know Rekka is great, by the way. So we have something to look forward to and seeing him right there. And, and the fun thing about these independent guys, very briefly before I move on, is that this is by far the biggest showcase they'll have. And being at Corican Hall on a New Japan show and Ghetto's yeah. watching, you know, so I have a feeling we'll probably see the very best that they have to offer right there. And then here we go. Now, we don't know what this is going to be here. The next one is Yo and Rocky Romero against Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. Uh, there's no word that the champions, uh, whoever wins on night one, defends the title necessarily on night two. They could announce that. They haven't. But uh, this could be uh, Yo and Rocky Romero facing the new IWGP champions. Mm -hmm. we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how it turns out. Belts or no belts, this is uh, this is going to be a spotlight show for Clark Connors and Drew and Maloney. I do wonder why they put the belts back on Catch 2-2 after uh, the time splitters had it for a couple of months. If they were just going to flip the, it forward, the jet setters, I believe. The jet setters, sorry, the jet setters. I'm a little tired. Uh, it's okay. But yeah, so it might be just a case of piggyback because those are titles that they are happy to piggyback from team to team to team. Yeah. And Catch Two Two had them for a considerable amount of time beforehand. I'm leaning towards them winning the titles, but uh, even if they didn't and they got a belt back win and beat Rocky Romero or Yo afterwards, wouldn't shock me at all. Okay. After that, we have Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and the DKC. 
uh, who will probably put his uh, rather embarrassing-looking karate on in uh, Corican Hall. Uh, I'm not a DKC guy. I'll just say I don't, I don't think the guy's that good. Uh, but, uh, you know, here we go against Tom Waller, Jarrell Nelson, and Roy Sizes. So Team Filthy against uh, two members of Chaos and uh, a guy who does karate chops that couldn't break an egg. Wow. Savage. I don't have anything to add. You got anything, Kevin? (laughs) I'm not really familiar. I've seen the DKC a little bit, but he hasn't stuck with me. He's a guy. Uh, He's he's a a very good coach for new talent at New Japan. Fair enough. Uh, Team MDK represented here. Bad dude Tito and Kosei Fujita against Alex Zane and Lance Archer. Of course, the Murder Sauce Monsters. Uh, This feels like a win for Murder Sauce, but uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll see how that one looks. It's uh, certainly a team that I did not uh, picture. I I, I think if you gave me a list of wrestlers and uh, to make a tag team out of, it would have taken me a long time to get to Alex Zane and Lance Archer, but it might work out. You know, if it were me, I'd be putting a lot of focus on bad dude Tito in this match. Every time Mm -hmm. I see him, he is... His stock is going up and up and up, but given that Lance Archer is in this match and uh, they they need to make Lance Archer happy, I kind of am going to assume that we're going in a different direction with this. Ryohei Iwa and Homicide. This is another tag team that's taken weird. me a long time to get to <laughs> against TJP and Francesco Akira. Again, this uh, depending on who wins uh, the titles there. Uh, again, yeah. they, they didn't say that the titles would be on the line in night two, so they could be just non-title matches here, and it makes sense considering who the opponents are. But uh, this will either be the champions reaffirming that they are the top team in the junior heavyweight division or a uh, get-right type of win for Catch 2-2. Every time I see Homicide in a match card, I think back to our review of Battle in the Valley, where I was sitting live in the show. He had a hardcore match with Tom Lawler. He yeah. lost the match by going through a table, taking the pin, and then immediately getting up and walking away and going to the back. <laughs> yeah, Homicide is... Yeah, boy. All right, and here you go. Bishamon, uh, Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, this time the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship on the line against Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin. My instincts tell me that they're going to go one and one here, and one set of belts is going to go over to the War Dogs, and Bishamon will keep the other. Uh, my guess is that this is a Bishamon win. Don't know. Again, we're going to preview this a little bit harder next week there, but uh, yeah. So night two, another match between these two, and it all leads to absolute chaos in the main event. El Desperado, John Moxley, in the rather ominous-sounding Final Death. My God. Uh, Final Death, and I guess it's a no disqualification, anything goes, God only knows what these two will do to each other type of match, right? Yeah, this is going to be something. I think uh, I think the mops and the buckets will be out afterwards, if I had any guess. And this is the next day. The, the next, next day. night. So he's having, they're having a match with Jun Kasai, and then they're doing Final Death. Yes, they are. The next night. Oh, man. John Moxley decided to do the one-two punch. If you're going to get this all out at Desperado, yeah. they're going to they're gonna get it all done now. Like okay. he, he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be showing uh, and cauterizing. Right, right. There's no point in healing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Might as well, might as well just get it all out of the way. The thing is, he he might still be bleeding from the match on the fourth when he gets right. to the ring for this one. So and we got one more. There. there it is, Kenta for the strong openweight championship against Eddie Kingston. Uh, which should be a pretty interesting match right here. I'm very curious to see that. And, of course, it's a little uh, tester for Eddie, who's going to be in the G1. Of course, Kenta is as well. So there you go. You could go in a lot of different directions with this match. I think I think the narrative of Eddie being the guy to oust 
the last leader of Bullet Club back in February is going to make him a natural opponent for a lot of Bullet Club going forward. And he's probably not going to be as successful as he was that night. And it could just be the story of Eddie Kingston going forward. Maybe some tabs with ELP and stuff like that in the next few months. Uh, but yeah, this one could go either way. Eddie Kingston is going to have a pretty solidly dedicated next two months in New Japan. We're not going to see him in Ring of Honor. We're not going to see him in AEW other than one or two things building him up for this. But this is his destination for now. So uh, this is going to be a huge determining factor as exactly what direction they want to take him in Japan. Yeah, it should be interesting to see which way they go with this one. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to uh, tuning in every day after G1 for Eddie Kingston's backstage comments. Absolutely. Those yeah. are going to be amazing. The story that he tells is going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the best in wrestling at that. He, he has been for a very long time, and uh, you're right. The, the backstage the right comments, setting for a guy like him, yeah. In a really free-form thing, too, because they can yeah. go as long as they want. There's really no restraint. You know, there's nobody counting down from 10. Yeah, they basically uh, have the length of the following match. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, mostly. they got to get out of there, or else they start stacking up. Kevin, so. before we go... Yeah. Uh, Kingston is in a bracket with Shingo Takagi and David Finley. Two people could advance out of that bracket. Do you see Eddie Kingston advancing out of that bracket? No. No. Yeah. I don't. I don't I agree. either. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be in I it could on see the him last placing, day. I could see him placing fourth, third or fourth at the highest. Yeah, I, I, I predict he will be mathematically in it until the very last day, but not advance out of it. That's him and thought. Finley or him and Shingo will be competing. Like one of those yeah. guys will have like be determined before the match, but he will be clawing to the very last bit, I think. And I think that makes sense for the Kingston story, at least for now. So we are going to go over a little bit, not not a ton here, but we I did want to mention a couple things from Hachioji uh, there, uh, which uh, was a show in uh, Hiromu's uh, home section of Tokyo, which is way out in western West Tokyo out there. It's uh, quite a quite a trip from the usual haunts of uh, Tokyo Dome area and all that, but uh, that's where Hiromu grew up, and uh, he did a show out there. And just want to mention very quickly, he is going he. He uh, won the main event, of course. He's also going to be appearing for Dragon's Gate soon with uh, Shingo Takagi in his corner. And uh, in the yeah. end there, he did uh, he did get the victory. He wanted to do the final fist bump. He wanted to be the last guy in the fist bump just once. Just once. That's all he asked. And, of course, Hiromu uh, tends to get uh, the uh, a little bit of the hazing from the LIJ guys. But they agreed, okay, just this one time. They brought him a T-shirt. You see the T-shirt there for the folks watching on YouTube. Uh, with uh, Hiromu on it, and uh, they were going to do the whole thing. They all get up there with the fists. Hiromu was so excited, he bounced off the ropes so that he could get real momentum to come up and do the <laughs> fist bump. As he approached, they all just dissipated and left him standing there. So oh. For minutes at a time, I think five minutes, Hiromu stood there stone still with his fist in the air all by himself in the middle of the ring until fans actually started filing out, leaving. Uh, and looking over their shoulder, is he ever going to go? But uh, he actually guilted uh, Shingo Takagi in backstage comments into being his second for the Dragon's Gate match because he did that to him. Because he so, left him hanging. Left him hanging. And then in the Blue, Justice and Chiba, Blue Justice and Chiba at the Citizens Gymnasium, of course, there was a uh, New Japan versus All Japan main event with Yuji Nagata, who is the All Japan Triple Crown champion on the New Japan side. And uh, that was a win for Nagata right there. But at Su uh, so let's get a look over here. It was 
Nagata, Master Wato, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Satoshi Kojima, uh, defeating Kento Miyahara, Yuma Aoyagi, Atsuki Aoyagi, and Yuma Anzai, the super rookie there from all of Japan. Uh, he ended up, uh, Nagata, uh, the Triple Crown champion, tapped out uh, Yuma Aoyagi, and afterwards, Atsuki uh, challenged him for the, uh, the uh, Triple Crown. I want to make sure I get the right Aoyagi. Yeah, Yuma ended up challenging him for the Triple Crown. It was, it was Atsuki, actually, that tapped. Uh, that was the junior heavyweight. So that's what's going on there. So you were seeing all this cooperation. Uh, you got LIJ going over and doing Fantastica Mania with CMLL. You've got the Forbidden Door thing. Hiromu and Shingo are going to go back to Dragon's Gate. You're seeing independent wrestlers coming into New Japan. We're in a golden age of cooperation in wrestling yeah. right now. And it's such a fun thing to see. Heck, there's a New Japan guy who's the Triple Crown champion. And yeah. it's going over into other areas. Kento Miyahara is going to be on a NOAA show. And like I said, Kento's one of the best in the world. Uh, so it's really a fun time here. And uh, and we are we do need to talk about Kevin Kelly as well. But uh, just before we do that, any thoughts, Kevin, on, on just what we're seeing as far as this consistent cooperation going? This is something that, you know, you didn't see at all in Japan during the Baba Enoki years because that was, you know, the, right. that, that was uh, Hatfields, McCoys, you know, and they would never work together. But the last few years and in the, in the 21st century, we've seen more of it but more than ever right now. And it's really bringing us a lot of fun combinations and matchups, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, it's, I mean, what a time to be live. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's amazing to see. I have no idea the financial considerations and how all that works to make it, you know, equitable and, and make everyone feel like they're, you know, getting what they're hoping out of it, whether that's exposure or partnership or just brand extension, or if it's just, good relationships or financial, but, uh, creatively, I love the, um, what's, what feels like a lack of pressure on it, that it's just, it's just like, let's get together and put on good shows and things like the, um, um, Okada and, uh, uh, Kiyomiya, um, is that what I said that right? Mm-hmm. Um, thing that's sort of like, here's sort of a background feud and, mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, by the way, these two guys hate each other. Whenever they're going to be together, you can count on there being sparks. But guess what? Neither one, that's not their main thing. Like, Okada's got his own thing going on and when he's there. But anytime you know this show's going to happen, you know, oh, that is, there's going to be something happening here. So, like, putting Kiyomiya in the G1, even though he's in a different block, he's in a different block than Okada, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to win a block to get to him. Right. Um just having that drama there is like that's a reason to put them in but it's also a great reason to like spread them around and have these other great matches that you could have so what i love is that uh here on the state side especially me being an AEW follower so closely it's like you put such high pressure on these crossovers that it feels like everything's got to be what do you do now because you may not be able to do it again and it feels like there's more of a looseness now in the japan side that it's just sort of like, you know, this makes sense right now, this makes sense right now. You know, even having, like, you know, Yuji Nagata be the uh, Triple Crown champion is fantastic because it gives, you know, that guy can still go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if he were in New Japan, he would, he'd still be doing, you know, young line matches and six-mans and things like that. It's an interesting time because... In the past, certainly the Japanese companies post Baba and Enoki have worked together before. It's usually when business is really bad. That's usually when it happens for somebody and they need the help. And right now, maybe perhaps coming out of the pandemic, 
the companies had decided, hey, you know, right now we're starting to build a little momentum. Maybe we help each other out under the theory of, you know, a rising tide lifts right. all ships. And it's a bit of a different philosophy. In the past, companies have worked with other companies when they didn't really have much of a choice. And now we're seeing, I think there is a choice, but right. I think they've chosen to do this because they want to capture the momentum that is being built. Mm -hmm. And uh, th that I think is, is healthy for the entire business. So, speaking of sharing, however, there's an announcement oh, that is being man. shared. I don't know how long this sharing is going to happen for. <laughs> I know. Kevin Kelly, of course, the new voice of Collision with Nigel McGuinness. Man, that's a good commentary team. And I know that there were some hiccups on night one, but there are always going to be some hiccups on night one. Uh, but uh, I think and Kevin Freddy and Nigel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Kevin and Nigel are going to develop into a really good team as yeah. the commentators for Collision. And uh, give Tony uh, credit. I think he went out and got the two best guys that were out there for this, uh, that, that weren't already working for somebody else. And you know, the two best guys available, I think he hired. I think that was it. It's Kevin and, and Nigel. Because I think Nigel's a terrific commentator. And I, I've been saying for years that Kevin's the best in the business. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we mentioned that, you know, Jim Ross struggled a little bit. Uh, hopefully he's okay. Uh, he said he was going to step away for a little while to heal. And hopefully he does. Uh, and uh, but here's what we know about Kevin. He's going to have a presence as Forbidden Door, probably as the extra analyst for the New Japan guys, so that he can add a little bit of color to uh, Excalibur screaming. And then Kevin will be leaving. Uh, he'll be leaving Collision for a few weeks to do G1 in person. He is still going to be working the G1 tournament in Japan, and he will be leaving. Uh, collision for a little while to do that, which is an interesting point. So he, he worked that out with Tony beforehand. We know that. And he's going to be doing some other big events, but mostly he'll be doing his New Japan work remotely, including, according to Dave Meltzer, the tag team tournament at the end of the year. He'll mm -hmm. still be doing those, but it'll be from home instead of traveling on the road in Japan, which would allow him to perhaps do uh, collision uh, concurrently. There's no info on anything else after the new year. For me, guys, it's hard to imagine that Tony is just going to want him away that much. So I feel like whenever his current situation with New Japan is up and whatever he's agreed to, I have a feeling we're going to need a new English voice of New Japan. Uh, I can cross my fingers and hope, but I feel like he's going to be an AEW announcer pretty soon, right? Yeah, I okay. So I told uh, Ely and James McDaniel this last night that it was very disconcerting for me to be listening to Kevin Kelly on in the daylight live <laughs> on a wrestling show. Uh, I don't remember the last time because it's usually dark out or I'm watching on tape delay for this to happen. I'm watching live with other people and we're all talking about Kevin Kelly together. What a time to be alive again. Uh, we were talking with somebody in the know on the discord about the plan for Kevin Kelly. And essentially the takeaway was there is a concrete plan in place for the next six months. They are looking at making sure that he's around for the next 18 months in New Japan. But as we all know in the wrestling business, plans can change. And okay. so the best way to plan, appreciate Kevin Kelly while you got him in New Japan because he may just be a Wrestle Kingdom guy and Dominion and G1 going forward into the new year. And that's going to be okay. There are other people that can take that, uh, take the reins. There were people before him. But 
That is not to say that Kevin Kelly is not one of the best announcers in the world and his presence will be missed if he is gone from New Japan. Yeah. You're right, Jeremy. There were people before Kevin. There weren't good people before Kevin. <laughs> so this is what worries me. Now Ian Riccoboni is good, but Ian Riccoboni is also busy with things. And so it's 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 tricky. Putting yeah. uh, a young family. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to some of those English language uh, broadcasts of Wrestle Kingdom before Kevin Kelly, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> let's, not, yeah. let's not let's not go back to some of those guys, certainly, uh, who uh, bring uh, back uh, uh, Morrow and Barnett. Well, you know, Barnett screwed himself over by trying to ruin an entire card uh, yeah. there. Uh, but uh, Moro, of course, I would absolutely love it. I would love it, but you know, it's it's not very. It's, he's got his. He also has his Showtime schedule, yeah. which is what really pays his bills. There, the Showtime boxing, and he does the Bellator stuff uh, for them as well a lot. So. You know, who's available? That's it's going to be a, a tough one there. So we we might have to deal. We might have to break in some new guys. Let's hope and we go that direction. Gino Gambino you know, full time with Chris Charlton. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see here. Uh, if if uh, we got some comments here real quick. As long as Kevin Kelly doesn't leave New Japan permanently, I'll be happy. According to yeah, Colin, yeah, I would I would love that too. Your lips to God's ears. But uh, if he were to leave New Japan and replace him with Ian. That would be the, the hope if if Ian is available because he would be, again, going back to that, he would be the best guy available. There are some ex-WWE announcers floating around out there because they go through those like water sometimes on the NXT side and things. But uh, I don't know if I don't know if any of them are up to speed on that product. Uh, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. Maybe they Yeah, that's Yeah, that's the key to the New Japan thing is Kevin Kelly is a genuine fan of that product. Yes. Right. And, and when he's calling it, you believe that he believes that it is the best wrestling in the world. And I don't know what WWE guys are going to have the kind of passion and, and interest that that requires the commitment of time and energy it takes to have part of your job calling a promotion that is across the world. Yeah, and Brad says whatever they use, do not use Kozlov. And Colin agrees with him. I agree with you guys too. I, I hope it's not somebody that thinks they're in Bullet Club. That, that, that horseshit is just so oh, gosh. Yeah. Kozlov stumbling around like he's in Bullet Club. And I, yeah, yeah. thank goodness for Beta Scott, by the way. She's actually added some something good to that uh, strong team. But the uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. But I mean, I guess it's going to have to be somebody because I, I just think you know, especially if. And I guess there's no guarantee the collision's going to take off forever because we, the the thing about collision too, we mentioned that on the boom, haven't we, Kevin? We talked a little bit about this that it's a show that's going to be facing some very heavy competition all through football very. season, and mm-hmm. against college football games. Then in January, the NFL slides over to Saturdays and for the playoffs. Yeah. Then for two months of the year. TNT broadcasts NHL and NBA playoffs, which is going to throw that schedule into complete chaos. We're talking more than half the year. It's either going to be up yeah. against American football or have its schedule thrown off. So, you and know, that's not uh, even counting UFC, right? Yeah, it's a good point. It's just uh, so much. Which I guess if you're watching UFC, you could just skip the prelims and you know watch Collision and then tune over, tune in for a main show. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think they're who knows? I mean, you know, without getting too into like just AEW future talk, like it seems like they're they've got a lot to prove this year. 
And if they do, yeah. they're going to be sitting pretty. And if they don't, it's going to be tough. So I think there's a lot of, I, I just think there's a lot of energy invested in making sure collision succeeds. Yeah, and, and it's true. And it's, it's fine to talk about, in my opinion, it's fine to talk about AEW here on this show because AEW yeah. has an impact on on New Japan, They not just in the way they work together, but people going back and forth. We've seen with, with Jay White and Juice and things. What happens in one does affect what happens in the other. Mm -hmm. So uh, the fate of collision will have, and more than just Kevin Kelly, will have an impact on what happens with uh, New Japan. So mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be a very fascinating year. It's a fascinating time in wrestling, and it's not going to get any less interesting because there's going to be all these things happening with the shows. And, uh, of course, you know, we mentioned, uh, you know, will we ever see CM Punk in New Japan? That's something that a lot of people have been hoping for maybe more possible than before who knows i mean it's but he's going to be the main guy on collision and and so the fate of that show will be tied to all that as well you got to think that punk's going to want his match with tanahashi too at some point <laughs> yeah i'm kind of surprised we didn't angle that this year because again if you're talking about you know strike while the iron's hot or while it's still possible you might not want to wait too long for CM Punk three matches. <laughs> might want to squeeze those in as soon as you possibly can. Just saying. Just saying. I'm not I'm not saying there are going to be more problems with CM Punk. I'm only saying there have been problems everywhere he's ever wrestled. Everywhere he's ever wrestled. Yeah. And so. that's just in his body. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, when I was watching that show on Collision, my whole thing was, don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Don't yeah, get don't hurt. get hurt. I think Manage he was thinking the, the, minute, think he was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Don't yeah, jump up. So. Don't jump over the rope. Don't no springboard. Don't get chopped from Joe. That was all there was. Yeah. <laughs> so again, since New Japan is so intertwined with AEW, want to emphasize again the boom. It's uh, James and Kevin's show here on the Fight Game Media Network. It's a terrific show. Very entertaining. Covers everything you want to know about AEW wrestling, and it's a really strong, uh, entertaining program, Kevin. And we're. Uh, We've been uh, lucky enough to be part of your show the last couple of weeks. We're thrilled that you're here on ours. We really appreciate your time and expertise. Thank so you. thank you very much. Dude, it's been a blast. The last few days have been a blast. Like you said, it's 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 a jackpot time to start going on these other shows to talk about this stuff because yeah. there's never run out of things to talk about. No, not at all. And, of course, Mel Gray is going to be here on the show next week to tell us what it was like to be at Forbidden Door 2 in person in Toronto and give us that uh, flavor of being in uh, what I'm sure is going to be a very enthusiastic crowd. Uh, and, I'm excited uh, in that for building. her. I know, wow. yeah. I'm like, like, really jealous. jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. She gets to do a lot of cool stuff up there. For that's uh, She's in the Detroit area. Yeah. And, of course, with uh, it, it, it lends itself to some interesting uh, live programming because she can make it to Chicago. She can get to Toronto. You know, it's it's, it's a good little centralized spot. I, I used to live up in northern west Indiana. Well, that's where I kind of grew up. And you could get to Detroit, Indianapolis, and Chicago. And I was able to hit some WrestleManias that way. And now she's able to do some of these forbidden doors and stuff that way. So pretty cool for her. And good for us because we get to have her on and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Should we wrap this up? Yeah, I guess so. We appreciate everybody joining us for this supersized edition of Speaking of Strong Style. Again, for Kevin, Eli, Eli, Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thank you so much for joining us both here and on the podcast, and we'll see you again very soon.